0: All right. So I have a quick question for you guys. I know it's about that time for fall break, just to see where my energy's at right now. How many of you guys are on fall break right now? Anybody on fall break? How many of you guys have fall break either another week? Maybe it's coming up soon, or you've already had a couple of you guys. And now, where are the homeschoolers at that you don't get fall break because you already used up yours? Yep, a couple of you guys. I feel for you guys. That was me every year growing up. I'm sorry. It's the worst. Be jealous of your friends. Fall break is awesome. So we have been talking about sharing the gospel, and last week we were in the big room all together talking about ways that we can share the gospel, the good news of who Jesus was. How many of you guys were in the big room for that, of how we share the gospel? Okay, some of you guys, but tonight we're going to follow that up. Why is it important that we share the gospel? What is the point? We talk about sharing the gospel all the time. We talk about this, telling the good news about who Jesus is, but why do we do it? What makes it important? So tonight, our big question of what we're going to be asking tonight is, why is it important to share the gospel? Take a second, think on it, dig deep. For you personally, why is it important to share the gospel? For you, Jonah, why is it important to share the gospel? For you, Cam, why is it important to share the gospel, right? We talk about it all the time. Tonight, we're going to look at an example from John 4 in with Jesus, and he is going to show us why we should share the gospel. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John 4. We're going to be looking at the story of the woman at the well and look at Jesus' response here. So let me set the scene for you of what's happening. Way back in the time of Jesus, there's this place called Samaria. Samaria. And to the Jewish people at that time, this place was gross. It was disgusting. It was dirty. You never went there. Like you would go all the way around just so you didn't have to go anywhere near this place. This is gross city. But Jesus and his disciples are traveling. They're, they're going around, they're spreading the good news. And instead of going all the way around, Jesus goes to this city and it's hot. I mean, they have been walking all day. There's no cars, there's no planes, there's no bicycles. They have been walking all this way. It's lunchtime and they're hot. So they take a break. Jesus sends his disciples. He sends them into town and says, hey guys, it's lunchtime. I know we're hot. I'm going to take a break right here. Why don't you guys go get some lunch? We'll come back and we'll keep going from there. And in this time, there was no plumbing, right? There was no sink that you could just walk up to and turn on the water and have this unlimited supply. You had to work for your water. You had to walk sometimes miles and miles to go to these things. They were called wells. They're big holes in the ground where you got your water. And you had to carry these big jars, some bigger than most of you guys. You had to carry these jars, get water yourself, and bring it back to town. So this is where Jesus is at. And this woman comes up to Jesus at the well. So they're talking. They're, you know, Jesus is asking her probably how her days going, all these things. And then he asks her, hey, will you get me a drink of water? And so they get to talk and she's like, why didn't you bring your own thing? Like, why, do you, why are you asking me? But Jesus stops talking about water and says that he can actually give her something that's better than a cup of water. He says, instead of just giving a cup of water that will make you thirsty in an hour, I can give you something better. I can give you eternal life with God. And so they're talking, he tells her he can give her this eternal life, this much greater solution to her problem. And he keeps talking to her. He tells her everything about her own life, even though they've never met. Jesus tells her about who she was, who she has been. And then he tells her that following God isn't about the place that you are or where you're at. It's not about being at church or being around Christian friends or having a Bible or even reading your Bible. It's about the heart of following God and the true worship is in your heart and your spirit and in truth and really following it. So after all this, Jesus finishes by telling her the good news that he is the son of God. He is the Messiah that was promised to come and save the world. So as we get, we've got a clip. Do you guys know what the chosen is? Any of you guys seen the chosen? Well, yeah, it's awesome. We love it. It's awesome, it's amazing. We're gonna watch this clip and in this clip, Jesus is already here, he's met this woman and I want you to pay special attention. I want you to look at the emotions of Jesus, see how he treats her, and look at how he cares about her, and then look at her response to Jesus once she understands who she is. Let's take a look at this trip. All right, so we see this, we see this, and guys, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, your first point tonight, write this down, is that we should share the gospel because Jesus shares the gospel right? We look at this and we see how Jesus loves this woman, right? She felt unworthy. She felt unwanted. She felt rejected and that no one cares about her. But Jesus did. Jesus went to her and told her the good news of who he was. Why? Because Jesus loves her, right? And Jesus gives us a model that we can follow in sharing the gospel. First, he met her where she was. He didn't ask her to travel miles and miles to a different spot she was unfamiliar with. He met her where she already was going at the well and told her about the gospel. Second, he told her about the gift of God. He said, hey, I have living water. You have water that's great, but I have something even better than that. I have the gift of eternal life. And last, he showed her how to accept it by putting her faith in Jesus. Again, it's not about the things that we do or the places that we go. It's about putting your faith in, in Jesus and giving your heart to God, and then we see every time that Jesus shares the gospel, and He does it many times. He always follows this model. He meets people where we are, and we see this in the right before this happens in John chapter three. Uh, Jesus meets this man called named Nicodemus, and he tells Nicodemus, "says Hey, Jesus, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to get this eternal life?" And Jesus tells him that he needs to be born again. And he's like, "What does that mean?" And Jesus is like, "Well, hey, let me tell you, it's not." You can't be born again on your own. It's about having a new life that comes from Jesus. And he says, this is where the verse comes to, many of you know, John three sixteen, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die, but will have eternal life. And he says, it's not about what you're doing, but it's the gospel message that God loved you. He came down for you. He didn't have to, but in your sin, God came down, died for you, and wants to give you eternal life. So what about you? Do you care for those that don't know Jesus? Does it, does it, like, do you have a burden, do you have a desire that those that don't know Jesus would want to know Jesus? Because Jesus did. He had a desire to go out of his way to go to these people that didn't know him because he loved someone. And it didn't matter if they looked differently. Do you love people that look differently than you? They might have different skills or abilities, or maybe they dress differently than you. Maybe they're not as cool as you are, or maybe you think they're way too cool, right? It's these people that look differently than you. Even though they look different, do you care enough to tell them about the gospel? Jesus had a, bur- had a burden. He had a desire for this woman that looked nothing like him, from a place that was unlike where he was from, but he told her about the gospel because he loved her. So if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and you're like, what what are you talking about? What is the point? How does this relate to me? This is what I want you to know. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you are not a believer in him, you haven't put your faith in him, know that Jesus loves you. He loves you right where you are. He loves you in all of your sin, all the ways that you think you're too messed up, that you're not good enough to know God, you might not be as cool as whatever, or maybe you think you're too good, wherever you're at. Know that Jesus loves you and he cares for you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And if you do know Jesus, if you do have a relationship with him, how do you respond to others that don't know Jesus? Your friends that don't have a relationship with God, how do you feel about that? Do you just think it's like, oh, like, that'd be nice if they knew Jesus. It'd be be better maybe if they went to church every once in a while right? Do you have this nonchalant whatever approach to your friends? Or do you have a desire to see your friends know Jesus? Do you feel the weight of your lost friends spending an eternity away from God? Like, do you feel that? Do you really desire to have them know the Lord to the point where you would say, hey, my friend or this person I know doesn't know Jesus and I care about them and so I'm going to tell them about Jesus, right? Maybe they look like you, Maybe they don't, but at the end of the day, if you love them, and we see this from Jesus' example, you're going to share the gospel with them. So we see back in our story, the disciples come back with lunch. They come back from the city. It's hot, it's lunchtime, right? So they come with food, and Jesus says that they have food that that they don't know about. In verse 34, Jesus says that his food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He tells them that what he's doing in sharing the gospel and telling this woman about him brings more nourishment than actual food does. He's saying, what I'm doing in telling these people about the good news of who I am is better than lunch, right? He's saying it's better. He's saying that the disciples missed the point here, right? Right? they were worried about lunch. They were worried about their cheeseburgers and fries or Chick-fil-A or whatever it is they had, right? They were excited about this food that they missed the whole point of why they came to the town. There was this whole point of them coming there and they missed it for something so small like their lunch. So Jesus moves on and he uses an illustration of the harvest for his disciples, now, I don't know about you, but I did not grow up on a farm. Any of you guys, farmers by trade, and you grow up, you live on a farm, you do everything? Maybe, okay, a couple of you guys are out there a little bit. Well, I did not. I grew up in the city and I knew nothing about farming. But what he's talking about here, this is what this process looks like. When you're growing a crop, it doesn't just happen overnight. You can't just plant a seed and then go to bed and then wake up the next day and have a a cornfield, right? There's some time that goes into these things, right? A whole lot of time. So when you're a farmer, there is a lot of work. In the spring, you're planting the seeds. You're, you're plowing the ground. You're putting in this work. You're putting the seeds down. You're doing all of this stuff. And then the rain comes. And the rain comes, and it waters the ground. You got to make sure the weeds are gone. You got to make sure the birds aren't eating up all of your seed. You got to take care of it. Make sure the animals aren't eating your crops, You go through all this work for months and months and months, and then harvest time comes. In the fall, all of this food that you've been working all year for is finally done. You can finally eat, and this is where the fun comes in. This is like the best time of year, and this is why. I want you to close your eyes for a second and think. Think about your favorite food, or maybe your favorite foods. Maybe it's chicken, maybe it's ice cream, Maybe it's you name it. You know what it is. Maybe it's pizza. Now, just imagine an all-you-can-eat buffet of all of the food that you want right here in front of you. You, like, you can eat it until you explode, right? You're, you're having some good stuff, right? You guys can open your eyes, but that's what we're talking about here. We are talking about this is the time that you look forward to. After all of this work, this is where it all pays off. And so Jesus tells his disciples this. Normally, you have to wait a long time for the harvest, right? you got to put in months of work. But he says in verse 35, he says, listen to what I'm telling you. He says, open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. He's saying that that time that you're looking forward to where you're about to feast and you know you're about to eat good, he's saying that's right now. But is Jesus talking about food? The disciples came to food and he's like, that's not the point. So what is he talking about here if he's not talking about food? The point of this illustration is, is that it's not about food. The harvest he's talking about is people that are ready to hear the gospel. They are ready for what Jesus has for them. They are ready for the good news. They want to know who Jesus is. Jesus saying that they are ready. And Jesus tells them, open your eyes. He said, you guys are blind. You're walking around with a blindfold on trying to figure everything out. He says, open your eyes and look at what's right in front of you. Our second point of tonight, why we share the gospel. We share the gospel because Jesus tells you to share the gospel. And that's what we see here. He says, the harvest is ripe. People are ready and it's your time. Jesus says in Matthew 9, that the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. He's saying, hey, people are ready to hear the gospel, but there's no one going out to harvest, right? We got all this food. We got all these crops and they are just sitting there ready to be harvested, but no one's going out and they're just sitting there. Jesus tells them that they need to go out and tell people about the gospel. We walk by people every week that don't know Jesus. We walk by them in school. We walk by them maybe at the store. We walk by them in our sports teams, in our friend groups, in our neighborhoods. And Jesus is telling us that they are ready to hear the gospel. And yet we have a responsibility and we don't do it. This is what Jesus is telling them. He's saying they're ready for it, but are you going to tell them? If you don't tell them, how how will they know? He's saying they're ready. You need to go tell them. So I got a question for you guys, unrelated. How many of you guys are NBA fans, big sports fans? Any sport, you know what it is. Some of you guys, any football people, maybe some volleyball, baseball, softball, lots of sports. All right, but we're gonna go, we're gonna go with the NBA right now, right? Any Grizzlies fans in the buildings? All right, some of you guys here and there. I like it, I like it. All right, this is what I need you to picture. Picture this the Memphis Grizzlies just made the NBA championship. It's the finals, right? And not just the finals. We are in game seven of the finals, right? And the game's looking good. This is it. Everything's on the line. But even better news, you just got a ticket. Courtside seats to see them play, all right? You're about to see the biggest game of the year, and you're pumped. I mean, you pull up, you've got the Grizzlies jersey on. You've got the Grizzlies shorts on. you probably got Grizzlies socks on. You probably bought your mom, and your mom has all of her Grizzlies stuff on, right? You are ready for this game, and you watch the game, and it's incredible. I mean, it is amazing. You are loving it. It is a tight game. You're seeing John Moran. He is going crazy, right? But then, here we are, fourth quarter. 15 seconds left. We have the ball. Things are intense. This is where it matters most. And right before the ball comes in, you look to your left, and the guy next to you is on his phone. And you're like, whoa. You're like, what's going on here? You're like, are you seeing the same thing? This is what they're looking like right here. You're at the game, and this is what the guy next to you is doing, right? He's just on his phone and just chilling, doing nothing, doing the same thing you could do at home. And you look at this, and you wonder, why would you go to a game, the biggest game of the year, in the time it matters most, and be looking at your phone, right? It was right in front of you, and you missed the bigger purpose for your phone. And so this seems crazy, and we wouldn't see anyone do this, but this is exactly what we do every day when we go by people that don't know Jesus and don't tell them about the gospel. This is the harvest. It's right in front of you. The opportunity is right there. When it matters most, it is right in front of you. And yet we close our eyes and we miss it and we get on our phones and we don't tell people the good news of the gospel. So how are you going to respond? Jesus has sent you out. He has commanded you. He has called you to share the gospel with others. But when was the last time you told someone about Jesus? that he loved them and cared for them? Or when was the last time you told one of your friends who doesn't believe in Jesus what God was doing in your life and how God has changed you? If you aren't obeying Jesus' call to be sent out, you are actively living in disobedience to what he has called you to do. This isn't an optional thing. Jesus has commanded us to be telling people about Jesus. And if you aren't doing that, you're actively listen, living in disobedience. So this week, who are you being sent to? Who is one person that you could be sharing the gospel with this week? Again, maybe this is someone at school, maybe someone on your sports team, maybe someone in your neighborhood. You guys know lots of people, right? Who is one person you know that doesn't know Jesus, that you could tell about Jesus this week? The harvest is ready. So open your eyes, be obedient to the Lord, and tell people about the good news of Jesus. So our story cuts back to the woman who went to her hometown, and we're gonna see the response of what happens back in Samaria, back in her hometown, with uh, what she tells them after she meets Jesus. So we're gonna be in John 4, 39 through 42, which says, Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman had said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, he asked them to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. Now we see here that the woman, she encounters Jesus. She has this incredible encounter with God and she can't help but share. She is running back to town, right? Like in the video, she drops her water, and she's just booking it to the town. I mean, like, sprinting. Like, she's got to tell everyone. She had to tell them what happened when she met Jesus, right? And how how did the people respond? It says that many believed because of what she said. They heard what Jesus did for her, how he changed her life, and they believed. Now, this woman didn't have any magic words. I doubt she had a fancy, paint, uh, ooh, a fancy PowerPoint presentation or maybe some videos or maybe like a whole like, sign that she carried around with her. She didn't have it all together. She didn't have all of the fancy things. I think she was just running in. She was like, hey, I went to the well and there was this guy and his name was Jesus and he is the one who's going to save everyone. I don't don't have it all figured out. My life isn't perfect, but I know this. I know that this guy, Jesus, that I met loves me and cares about me, and he loves and cares about you, and we have to believe in him. I don't think it was fancy. I think that she just had an encounter with Jesus, and she was changed by it. What made this so easy for her is that it was never about her. It was never about having the right words or having it all together or living the perfect life or doing everything the right way or having all of the biggest, best words to get you extra points in your vocabulary. It was all about Jesus. And that's what the good news is. It's all about Jesus and what he did, not about what we do. So Jesus follows her into town, talks to the people, and many more believed after meeting Jesus and hearing his message. After she came in, Jesus followed her in, and the whole city was changed because this woman was faithful and she was bold. So point number three, why do we share the gospel? We share the gospel because Jesus rejoices when you share the gospel. Jesus rejoices when you share the gospel. So Jesus wants you to share the gospel, but he doesn't just leave you to share the gospel on your own, right? He goes with you. He's there with you when you're sharing the gospel. He's following behind you when you're sharing the gospel. When you're obedient to God and telling others the good news that he has for you, God is with you in that. And when you are obedient to God, he rejoices with you and he blesses you. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you share the gospel with someone that they're going to get saved 100% of the time. That doesn't mean that when you share the gospel with someone, you're going to be blessed by having all of the best grades for the next two months, or maybe you just have this gift just magically fall in your lap. But it says that when you're obedient, God rejoices and he blesses you. And that's what we see here with the woman. She was faithful And she saw her whole city change just because she told other people what happened when she met Jesus. God blessed her, and the work that she put in, God rewarded. This past summer, I was working at a summer camp in North Carolina. I was a camp counselor. I had people coming into my cabin every week. There's a new group of people every week. It was awesome, it was amazing. And there was this one week, this student comes into my cabin. His name was Ben. And I knew at the beginning of the week that Ben needed Jesus. I knew that he was hurting. I knew that there was some stuff going on in his life. And I didn't know exactly what all that was, but I just knew. I knew that Ben needed Jesus and that I didn't have anything that I could do to help. I knew that I didn't have this magic potion to give to him, or I didn't have this perfect solution that was going to make everything better or change his life. But I did know this. I knew that whatever Ben was going through, that Jesus had the answer to that. That Jesus loved him where he was and provided a solution to where he was. And so, what did I do? I didn't have all the solutions. So I started praying. I said, God, I just pray. I pray that you would just do something big in Ben's life. God, I would pray that he would come to know you. I'm praying all week. I'm like, God, I just, I wish you would do something with Ben. God, I know he needs you. Give me an opportunity. And so I started talking to him. Just. Get to know him throughout the week. What is he like? What is he not like? Meet him where he was. If he was shooting hoops, I was shooting hoops with him, right? I was meeting him where he was. When we get to the end of the week and we have this conversation, the, the speaker's done kind of towards the end of the week. And I mean, I come out and Ben is just, he's just in tears. He is just broken. He is, I don't know what's going on in his life, but I know something big is going on, Right? And so I come up and I talk to him. He starts telling me all just these terrible things about his home life and how he's grown up and all these problems with all of his friends and his issues with his family and family members that have these serious diseases and all this hard stuff that he's going through. And I was like, I don't have all the answers to this, right? He was in eighth grade. I was like, I don't even know what I would do if I was this age and I had this this stuff going on. There was a lot of messed up stuff and I didn't have the answers to it. But this is what I did know. I knew that Jesus loved Ben. And I knew that God was over his whole situation, that while I couldn't fix all of his problems, and I wish that I could, I knew that Jesus was there with him and that if Ben gave his life to Jesus and trusted in him, not that his problems would go away, but that there would be a new life, there would be hope that he had. And so we we started talking and some of the stuff I said, I don't, I don't know if it was the right thing to say. I don't know if I had the best things to say. Some of the things I planned to say, I didn't say. And some of the things I said, I didn't plan to say. But we have this conversation and Ben came to know the Lord. And he, he prayed to receive Jesus, and immediately after, he said that he had peace like nothing he had ever known before. And I could see from then on, the rest of the week, that he was changed, that he had this encounter with Jesus, and he wanted to tell people about it. He started telling people, hey, this is what happened last night, and it was awesome. And let me tell you, when I met Jesus, this changed, and now I have hope. And now these hard situations, yeah, they're still hard, but there's something so much better and so much greater that I can put my faith in that I can trust in Jesus despite my circumstances. And despite me not knowing all the right words, God bless the obedience and rejoice. And I, there was such a joy after. I was like, I didn't get saved, but being able to see what God was doing in his life was such a blessing and something that we can rejoice in. So Jesus rejoices with you when you share the gospel, but to have God rejoicing with you when you share the gospel You have to share the gospel, right? God blesses obedience, but if you're not obedient, what are you doing? Like the whole, Jesus is rejoicing when you're doing it, but if you're not doing it and still wondering where the blessing is, you need to be obedient. And that's what we see here with the woman at the well, is that she was obedient and God blessed her. For some of you, this may seem impossible. You're like, there's no way I could share the gospel. My friends might judge me. They might make fun of me. I don't know all the right words or all the right verses, or I don't have this, or I don't have that. And it can be easy to worry about all the what ifs of what's going on, or what if this, or what if that. But what we learn here is that it's not about having it all together or all the right words. It's about being obedient and just sharing what God is doing in your life. If you, have, if you have had an encounter with Jesus and you have received the gift of eternal life, then Jesus has equipped you to share the gospel and given you the responsibility to tell others about him. But not only does he go with you, he promises to bless you if you're obedient to him. So all of this to ask, why do we share the gospel? Number one, we share the gospel because Jesus shared the gospel. And we see his example that we can follow, that he met them where they were, that he told them the good news of who he was and what the gift of God was. And he showed the woman that trusting in Jesus was not by something that you did or a place that you go or doing all the right things, but it was about repenting of your sins, about believing in who he was and putting your faith in him. Number two, Jesus tells you to share the gospel. He says the harvest is ready. Right in front of you, people are waiting to know who God is, but the laborers are few. There's no one going out and telling them. So, what are you going to do? Are you going to tell people and be faithful and share the gospel with others? And finally, Jesus rejoices in obedience with us. Jesus blesses obedience when we do. You have to be obedient in doing it. There is joy found in it. There is excitement. There is this just overwhelming excitement that we see this woman has because when Jesus is working in you, you can't help but be joyful because of how amazing it is. So for you today, what are you going to do, right? You guys know lots of people, probably more people than I know. You guys have schools, you have sports, you have families, family friends, you have people in your neighborhood, you know people all over the place. So who do you need to be looking for for the purpose of sharing the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is? Who is one person this week? Be thinking about it. Who is one person that I know this week that needs to know the gospel? Be thinking about who you can share the gospel with.